Hey friends, what does it really take to be like Christ? Our guest today says it takes a lot more suffering than I guarantee you or me are comfortable with. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 314, Nicole Jacobs-Meyer, Enjoy After Suffering. Welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience, and I'm so glad you've joined us. Uh, this is going to be, I can, I can just guarantee you, a really formational episode for you, one that uh, might be hard, but I know that it's going to be uh, absolutely good, and so I'm glad that you're along for the journey. Um, if you haven't and you have the opportunity, the wherewithal in your budget, you want to go to halfwaytherepodcast.com, hit that Patreon button, and support the show. Those of you who are doing that mean a lot to me and help keep the show running. So I, I appreciate all of that. And if you want to join us, that would be uh, great as well. Okay, so let's dive right into this conversation. Our guest, she encourages women to keep going when all seems lost because she believes it's possible to find lasting joy and purpose in Christ. I love that. Our guest is Nicole Jacobsmeyer. Nicole, welcome to Halfway There. Oh, Eric, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you for uh, being here and just sharing a little bit of your story. Obviously, this is kind of some of your message, but I know uh, we'll get into, I'm sure you learned that the hard way because we all do, but it, we'll get into that. But tell yep. us a little bit about <laughs> who you are and where God has you right now. Yes. Yeah, so my name is Nicole. I have four little kiddos, eight, six, four, and almost two. My husband just finished pediatric residency. So this 10 year mm. medical journey has come to an end and we are praising the Lord for that. That's great. <laughs> so it has been, it has been a wild ride and I started a blog about six years ago and now I'm kind of a mom blogger turned author and have had a lot of trials and really just love to encourage women. So hoping to do that. <laughs> Yeah. So that's really interesting. I, I think, uh, so six years ago or so, that's, that's actually when I started this podcast, but that was when podcasting was really new, right? And yeah. <laughs> you, you started writing and there's an interesting way that community on the internet can help you through some of those times. Cause six years ago, yep. I suppose you had younger kids, way, you know, way younger kids, yeah. just maybe just a few a couple. And how did that help you as you were writing and, and maybe building a community to go through your own your own, uh, you know, parenting struggles. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I had one who was two and then I just had another baby at that time. And my husband was just in the throes of medical school. And so I felt very alone. We lived in a not so great neighborhood. I couldn't even go outside and take my kids on walks because it was that not great. <laughs> I try to be nice about it because yeah you know, you still know people in the area. <laughs> so I, it was just lonely. And I didn't have a lot of people around me. We were kind of new in that area because of moving up from Colorado Springs to go to medical school. And, you know, starting something where you process your pain and you take other people along with you because they're going through the same thing. And it's like, we're all at that time, we were all moms. We were all moms of very young children mm -hmm. and our husbands all had crazy jobs and crazy schedules. And so let's talk about it and let's confide in each other. And that's kind of where I found that desire to start something and to really just have other women come along for the journey. Yeah. I love that. 
That's I know there's a lot of uh, dark things about the internet. We've talked about some of that. Yeah. <laughs> we had Jay Kim on the show recently, and he's you know uh. wrote a great book. Uh, but he he asks us to think about some things, and I appreciate that. But I love the community aspect, right? Like you're describing, yeah. because you can bring people together who all kind of have the same struggles, like you were describing, and that maybe otherwise you would have been alone. And imagine how much worse yeah. that that might have been. Exactly. I do think that if I didn't write a book, I probably would have deleted social media <laughs> right? <laughs> because it is, has, I mean, as you know, it has changed so much in the last six years. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was such a great place of community all those years ago. And now there's definitely good pockets, but man, it's changed. <laughs> yeah. I keep waiting for the value uh, to change because it's, it is a benefit for an algorithm to show you things that you like. Right. But I don't want to see just things that I like. I, I want exactly. to see things that I, that challenge me and push me a little bit. And I don't think that's been factored into places like Amazon and Google and Facebook and all that. Oh, for stuff. sure. <laughs> we need to get there. I think they're starting to figure it out because TikTok is pushing them. So we'll see, but that's a whole nother conversation. Anyway, <laughs> the internet is great in some ways when we want, when we, when we do that. So I'm glad that you found that. Okay. So you mentioned you have a new book. And, um, why don't you tell us just a little bit about that and then we'll go back and hear some of your story. Okay. Yeah. So it's called take back your joy fighting for purpose when life is more than you can handle. And so I kind of wrote this book out of my pain. I started just this word vomit document of like 40,000 words. And I handed it to one of my friends who's now my agent. And I was like, all right, I think I have something here. And she was so kind. And so grace filled because she was like, let's maybe work on your craft a little bit because it was just so much anger and pain and not really helpful. And so each chapter now is kind of tailored towards a way that God helped me get out of the trench, the darkness, the pain, the rut, whatever I was facing in that specific season that I talk about and how he brings me out in his goodness and faithfulness so that I can have that restored joy and keep enduring. So it's a, it's a very tough book for me to um, almost talk about all the time, just because of the pain that was involved, but I'm just praying that it sets people free too, and that there's massive healing. Yeah. I, I love that. Okay. So, uh, we'll get to maybe some of that as well. We'll come back to it, but I want to go back into your story a little bit. Uh, you mentioned Colorado Springs. Were you here and were you in Colorado at one point? Wait, are you in Colorado Springs? I'm in Denver. No, I'm in, I'm in, uh, Oh my Littleton. goodness. Yeah. Okay. So we were, we were in Aurora Okay. and we're at, Andrew was, my husband was at the Anschutz Oh yeah. Uh, medical center. Yeah. Doing medical yeah. school there, but he was doing prereqs and I actually worked at focus on the family oh, wow. and integrity music and all that in Colorado Springs. So those are kind of our, our stomping grounds uh, yeah. back in the day. So you probably know Rob <laughs> Kirkpatrick and, and yes. focus. yeah, he's, he's been one of the amazing things. So we're, I guess this will be a theme about community that the internet brings you into. I've had a chance to meet Rob and he, he brought me and uh, Chris Starin one time down to just give us a tour, show us the studio, bought us lunch. That was nice. But there's oh this, my this goodness. Like amazing thing. <laughs> Never would have imagined that when I started podcasting, right? Like that's no that was kidding. Kind of anyway, well, very cool. So you're, so you're a Colorado. You're, are you from here though? Are you? I, well, that's where I met my husband. We, okay. I moved all over as a kid. So Chicago, Texas, California, Oregon, all over the place, but Colorado was definitely home 
for very long okay, so <laughs> and you, it still has a sweet place in my soul. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a good place to be great. So Colorado was kind of home, but so your family, was it a Christian family or what was that kind of like for you growing up? It was a Christian family and we had, you know, the Bible studies, the Christian friends. I really felt like I was in a Christian bubble for most of my upbringing. And I think because of that, I didn't necessarily have that foundation. I almost had this, like, it's just what we do. Like I got baptized early. I prayed the prayer air quotes early on when I was like six years old. And I didn't really face a lot of pain and trauma, which I'm so obviously grateful for that I didn't have this like horrible upbringing, but it, it didn't prepare me for what was to come. And I think a lot of times, maybe for women, even more so it was very, um, it was more based on emotions and like, oh, the fog machines and like, who's praying the prayer and like raising your hands to come to the altar call again and again. And it was very um, like hype instead of the foundation. And so switching from going through pain and realizing that it's not based off feelings now that's going to carry me through, it's going to be based off a foundation rooted in the word and in knowing God's character and his love for me and like having that whole switch. So yes, I grew up in a Christian home, but like going forward, I definitely had to learn like all of us, the hard way yep. of joy and suffering. Yeah, we absolutely do. Uh, okay. So you grew up in that Christian family and then you were learning those things. So tell me about some of those inflection points, maybe when you were, whether it was, you know, some of us rebel in our teenage years, or maybe you were a good kid and then, you know, later, whatever. So tell us about some of those times, yeah. either mentors, books, moments that you ran away or whatever that was like, so things like that. Yeah. So after college, um, or right before I left for college, I got a volleyball scholarship and I was thinking, oh, this is so great. I'm going to be witnessing to all these new people and I'm going to shine my light for Christ in the college campus. And I was like, ho, like, this is going to be awesome. And I ended up having a very difficult college experience with, um, my college coach and verbal abuse, and then ended up having a very traumatic event where I was raped. And that all culminated into God, where are you? Do you even love me? Where have you, where have you been? Do you care? And just those deep feelings of betrayal from this God that I thought was going to like have my back because I was going to witness, you know, I was going to do the right mm -hmm. thing. And I had pure intentions, right. And the right heart to lead all these people to the Lord, but then to see like the evil and the sin in this world in that type of way, I just felt so it was just awful. And so having a, um, having a church that was able to pour into me and give me opportunity when I thought that I seriously was going to walk away from the faith completely because mm -hmm. it was so, it just damaged me so much and made me question and doubt and want to walk away. And so having people who were supportive and um, like the women's and missions leader of our church was like, I want you to lead the Nepal trip. 
you're good. You're going to do this. Like it's our huge missions trip and you're going to lead this trip. And I was thinking, you've got to be kidding. I don't even know if I mm. like love God right now. And in that moment, she was like, it's, this is exactly why I want you to lead this trip because it's in your brokenness and in your weakness that Christ is going to shine through and that his strength is going to be revealed. And it's about his glory. And all of that ended up being for my good and his glory, which is something that I didn't even understand. Cause I thought, how can trials be for my good? Yeah. So right. it's been like a circle with all these things in my life. I feel like a relearning it and I'm like, ah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to ask a few questions, uh, about, about all that. Cause that was, that was well explained. Uh, so where'd you get the idea that if you had good intentions, God would just give you all the good things. I think church, unfortunately, um, preaches that if you do X, Y, and Z, you will be prosperous because God wants what's best for you. And if God's best interest is in you and he has your heart at the forefront of his mind and you tithe and you do all the right things, then of course he's going to bless you because he wants you happy. And so I had this idea that if I just did the right thing, then clearly I'll be, I'll, I'll be blessed. Right. And so the problem is, is we don't know what our good is. Like, I think my good, you know, when we read that verse in Romans for our good and his glory, I think my good is, oh, well, of course, health, big house, perfect family, no sickness, no problems. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that is not what is happening because then you read in, you know, Romans again, it's like, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. And we read all over scripture that this suffering and this pain produces in us this character and perseverance and growth. And that's a promise. Like it's going to produce in us these things if we allow God to work, but we don't really want him to do that because we don't want to go through the pain. And I for sure didn't. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a big problem with that too, because when we don't embrace the pain, it actually keeps us immature, right? In the faith. I'm convinced that this is one of the problems with the American evangelical church at the moment is that we we put people in positions of leadership before they've suffered. Yep. Right? Oh, preach. And then the, the leadership at the church becomes their suffering because it's hard and there's all kinds of other problems with that. But right. that, and then that can be very damaging. This is why we see, I think, so many pastors leaving not only the pastorate, but also the faith. It's a problem because we don't have a good understanding of suffering. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got this idea. I think you're right. It's just this sort of super in, we have this idea that it seems like God would give us all these things. Why wouldn't he? And we don't talk about the suffering. So that's why we're talking about it today and how God actually shapes us. Okay. So you had this experience, you go through what must've been a horrific experience. Then you're going, okay, what, where is God? So I want to, can you just describe for us those sort of feelings and what you actually thought about God during that season? Well, I mean, we read, we read through scripture that God is our protector. 
right? He's our provider. He's our faithful father. And during this season, right before I was actually raped, I had my dad come out and share that he was basically living a double life, unfaithfulness, the whole thing. Wow. And so within a short amount of time, I had, I was used, I was betrayed. I was shocked. I was broken in all these different ways, all this types of, all these different types of trauma. And so I was like, okay, wait, so, you know, that song, good, good father. Mm, yeah. I could not sing that for no. the life of me. And I mean, so many songs I couldn't worship. I, I read, I opened the Bible and I was like, you know, reading Psalms and, and it's great. Cause like you can, some of what David mm-hmm. says is like crying out to the Lord. Why have you forsaken me? Like you are nowhere to be found. And, and it's so relatable in that moment, but at the same time, it's like, you read in James, like consider it joy when you face trials and, and then throughout Psalm, thank you, Lord, for being my provider and protector. And it's in my ever present help in time of need and my shield. And it's like, well, then why weren't you that for me? I must've done something wrong. Right. And so then that's when like that, I, I feel like that's when Satan uses that shame and uses just complete lies to make it personal instead of always remembering like who God is. And that's when I started just second guessing his character. I was second guessing all of that. And even who I was is in like our relationship. I'm like, you clearly don't love me because this would have never happened because that's what happens when you don't have that foundation. And so it just was accumulating all this pain on top of pain, really, because I didn't know, understand. Yeah. So that's what I was wondering because it can become an identity, right? So you talk about the shame, like you, you, so you just kind of turned that, okay, well, if this is not who God is, then maybe there's something wrong with me. Right. Absolutely. Because then it's like, well, am I not reading my Bible enough? Am I not like, does he not love me? Is, am I not holy enough? And that's why when this um, the women's director who's also in, involved in missions, when she asked me to lead that trip, that's why I was just like, right. absolutely not. Cause there's no way I'm prepared or holy enough, spiritual enough, like reading my Bible enough, all these enoughs, because that's what I thought it was, you know, looking around all these people in the church, you know, and here I was just like, I can't consider it joy when I face trials. I hate this. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. And so, I can't be fake. <laughs> who, yeah, which is which is okay. Okay, who is this director? Like, what's what? Her name is Erin, and if she's listening, which Erin, I love you, Aaron, but I actually <laughs> I don't have her real name in the book okay. because of you know the whole thing. But she knows who it's. She knows it's her. Well, <laughs> she's amazing, Erin. I'm applauding you because yes, <laughs> whether you're listening or not, who knows? But that's that because the wherewithal to see somebody who's hurting and broken and say you need to do this instead of yeah. looking for the person who looks like they're perfect on the outside Yep, uh, is not common in yeah. our churches. And, you know, and I've been guilty of the same thing, but right. Being willing to say, no, I, I know that God wants to use you, whether she was listening to the Holy spirit, whether yeah. it was her own pain, who knows? I, you probably know her better than I do, obviously. Um, but, <laughs> but that like, so may, who knows? There's something there where she learned that. Okay. So she pulls you into this. You're going, I don't think that's for me. 
what happened? Tell us about the, how'd that experience go? I mean, I just told her, I broke down and I just told her, well, okay, let me just tell you what's happened in the last three months. And I know you'll say no. So I, I thought that if I explained things to her, she would be able to backpedal and be like, you're right. You're in a really bad place because that has happened to me in the church as well, to where I screwed up in their eyes. And so I couldn't be a leader. And so those things were playing in my mind of, well, if I just tell her what's really going on, she's just going to, you know, kick me to the curb again. And that's going to feel horrible. Yeah. You could scare her (laughs) off. Yeah. And be like, well, now, you know, and so the fact that it's almost like she repeated herself again, like Nicole, you are supposed to lead this trip that like, whatever I said, wasn't going to stop her from saying that this is what God wanted for me. And I mean, I could get choked up every time I think about it because I don't know if I would, if I was going to walk away from the faith at that point, because that's the road I was headed down. And the fact that she saw me as Christ does was just, it made me want to dive into the word, you know, and not because I had to, but because it brought me this, like, if this is how the church really should be and how people who love Jesus should act then I want, I want in again, and I will trust that God's going to work everything else out down the road. And so I wanted to dive into the word. I wanted to get back into the church because I also knew I had a huge responsibility of all these students that I was in charge of now. And like, that was a big deal and a big responsibility. So just the fact that she yeah, we should applaud her for days. She's amazing. <laughs> 100%. I love that. I love it. Okay. So did you do the trip? Did you lead the trip? I did. How'd I did. Go? And it was it was wild because right when I came back is when I met my husband. Oh, okay. So I didn't meet him like on the trip or like he wasn't in the group or anything, but he, it was like, that's what I needed in order to be open to that next relationship who is now my favorite person on the planet. So yeah. it just is, it's just crazy to see that only God can do that stuff, you know, like, and he didn't, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to redeem and restore, but he chose to. And that's why we can hold on to those almost pillars of remembrance when we do go through future sufferings, because he is always faithful and he is going to produce in us that character and perseverance and endurance to keep going. And that is just what a good and faithful God we serve then. I still don't want to sing good, good father because I feel like it's weird, but yeah, that's okay. You, don't <laughs> you know, to. it's all right. Uh, we can chuck some of those songs. It's fine. Uh, so, okay. What'd you learn about yourself though, through that experience? You know, it took me so long to honestly start processing and healing because then I had another set of trials and another set of trials Mm. and I lost a baby. I had cancer. I had severe depression. I, I mean, it was just like piles of pain that I couldn't really sift through at the same time. And so now I feel like 
this, you know, this book is what I have learned, but it's not even that I've learned it. It's that I'm still learning it. Mm -hmm. I, I wish, I wish I could say I'm really great at all these things, Yeah, (laughs) but I'm still, I'm still working on it all. (laughs) Well, it's okay. We're talking on zoom now at the top of a mountain. Nobody expects you to be a guru. It's okay. But (laughs) Uh, what I want to know is as you, as you're suffering and it sounds like you had some better experiences of, with the Lord and, and realizing that you still have value, but I want to know, like, was there, so did your views of him and what he has for you change? Did you, so a lot of times with the, the dark night and you had some really dark nights will do is it will take, um, God will use it to take our identities away, right? All those things that we thought yeah. that we, who we are. Well, you thought yeah. I'm a good Christian if I just do all the right things and I'm evangelizing and I'm right. doing that. Uh, and God was like, actually you're, you're loved because of who you are, not because yeah. you do all those things. So what was it? Were there some things like that, that you're like, that you can look at back now um, and go, I never would have learned that that way. Or I don't know, some, something oh, like yeah. that. Oh yeah. So I've always prayed that God would make me more like his son. Like we all want to be made more like Christ. And I think as Christians, we pray that a lot, but we don't know what it's going to take. And for my life, I've prayed that. And then I think of Philippians three ten, where it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And it's like, wow, that is exactly what this does when you, it's almost like I had this idea that suffering wasn't even going to be a part of my story for some reason, that maybe I'd go through some hard stuff, but yet I'm praying all the time, Lord, make me more like Christ, like make me stronger, patient, fill me with the Holy spirit, all these things that you pray so that you can grow and have that maturity in your faith. But what I have realized, the more I dive into the word, it's like all this, all the different stories of suffering. The one that always helped me the most was, um, about the blind man in John. And I think it's John nine, three. And it said this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So the disciples were talking and like, oh, what did he do? Did he sin? Was it because of his parents? What happened? Like we, they wanted an answer. They wanted to tell us Jesus so that we don't have to do that. You know, like tell us why this guy's been blind forever. And Jesus says this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And that is for ourselves and for others. And that's part of the shared word and the test and our testimonies and now looking back, it's like, gosh, it is so easy to talk about God when everything's great. And that's what's so hard for me with motivational pastor preachers these days is it's so easy to talk about the, the all these amazing mm-hmm. things and God's blessings when your life is like, I mean, we don't really know, no, but you know, when it just seems like all it's the, just the prosperity, but it is so much harder to make Christ known in your life to others and and to others when you are in the middle of suffering and pain that speaks volumes, you know? And I feel like that's what we should be doing as Christians. And it's a very hard pill to swallow though. This is not an easy, this is not an easy thing, but the Holy spirit does 
equip us so that we can have that joy, not the fake, you know, not the fake happy and smiling and like, everything's fine. But like that assurance that God is with us, regardless of what we go through and that he is going to use all that crap and produce in us these things so that we can endure until eternity, which is such a good promise, but so hard. Yes. Okay. So you're reminding me of a passage that's uh, really interesting uh, because you, you make such a great point about we pray to be like Jesus a lot, but we don't know what it will take. That's, that's brilliant. Um, one of my favorite passages is Hebrews five, where it says that Jesus, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he, what not celebrated yeah. things he suffered, right? The things yep. he suffered. So you want to be like Jesus, you're going to suffer. Paul suffered, yeah. Peter suffered, they like all of them. And, and even the, the example, I've been thinking about this a lot too recently. Some of the early um, church fathers, and I can't remember if it was Irenaeus or I can't remember. I can't remember which one. I should know that as a, as a Bible nerd, it hurts me that <laughs> I can't remember it, but uh, who, who uh, or Polycarp is one of those guys, but who early on, like in the second century after Christ was heading to Rome, they were taking them to Rome to be executed basically. And, they were, his followers tried to break him out. And he's like, why would you do that to me? Why wouldn't you let me suffer for Christ? Like that was their attitude back then. Right. Uh, Compared to like, he must be looking at now. us now going, what are you guys doing? You yeah. don't even get it. Where is that? Right. Right. Whole different, whole different deal. Yeah. I think we, we hold on obviously to our lives so tightly. And I know, I know as a mom, like it's so easy to try to control everything of you don't want your kids to go through pain. You don't want, you know, your marriage to suffer. You want everything to be fine and you hold it so tight that it's like, wow, when we loosen that grip and we open our palms to the Lord and say, this is all yours. Everything is an added blessing. And when we look at it that way, I feel like that helps me so much going forward when I do face trials is knowing that regardless he's going to use, he's going to use all of that. And the control slowly turns to almost this like gratefulness because he already gave us everything in his son, that everything else that is amazing are just the cherry on top. Right. And I don't, I always think of it like the other way around of he gave me his son and I deserve because I'm a good Christian, these great things. And that's just so prideful and so not true. And I'm thinking, where did I learn that? <laughs> you know, <sighs> why do you think you held on so tight to some of those things? Right. Like, or what for, I'm, I'm just mostly looking for your experience, but I think probably it's true for all of us. We hold on to our picture of what we want our life to look like, what we, who we are. Why, why did you do that? I think in each season it was different. So, I mean, lately just now, you know, as a controlling mom, that's trying to work through her control issues, <laughs> I feel like it's because I've faced so much pain that I don't want another thing 
to like slip through the cracks, whether that's children, marriage, whatever it is, like it almost makes me not even take a deep breath because I'm so nervous about what's going to happen next. Like when's the next shoe going to drop? And that's something that is taking me on like a whole new trusting factor with the Mm. Lord. And that's kind of what I'm going through personally right now is learning this trust and that I don't have to be scared or nervous or anxious about the next thing that I have that assured joy and that foundation already. And if he got me through all of that, that I've gone through, he's going to continue to do that and be so faithful and good. But that's why personally right now, (laughs) why I'm, I just hold things so closely. I'm like, Oh, I just don't want any more pain. Just give me like a year break. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. And sometimes we need that obviously, right? Like you need, yes, (laughs) man, we've had hard years. I think last the last year or so has been one of the hardest for our, for our family yeah. in some ways. So I can relate to that. I, here's what I think. I think we hold on to those identities because we don't know who we would be if we didn't. Without it. Yeah. Hmm. Right? We, yeah. We think, I thought about that. We think we are, this is who I am. And if I let go of the third row, fourth seat over at church, whatever it is, right? right you know, <laughs> right, what, whatever specific with the Bible in tow, whatever. Then who would I be? And I, would I be the, the right kind of person or would I be right. the person that I'm proud of or that my parents are proud of? But what you're finding, what you're sharing with us is that actually uh, when we embrace the suffering, we, and we, we don't have to like it. I don't think Jesus. No, like absolutely I think, I think not. Real clear that he did not like it when in, in the garden. He was like, "Hey, I don't really want to do this. If we could do something else." Um, but it still is the way. It still is the way yeah. to the, of Jesus. It still is the way yeah. of going through. And so we need to be open. You were really good. You're really smart to call that pride. I think it is pride. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think the thing that helps me going forward is also just having that eternal perspective that this life is so short and we are, we are only promised what is right before us. We're not promised tomorrow. It's just today, our daily bread. And I think that's why throughout scripture, it talks about how the word and Jesus are daily bread. And that is just so true because then it helps you live in the moment. It helps you be thankful for what you have. It helps you not compare to the person, you know, left or right. It, it almost like you want to take responsibility and get that unforgiveness out of your heart and like, just do a lot of these things that, you know, you could, you should do so that you have that joy and you have that, you know, if, if we get another day, then glory to God, you know, and having that eternal mindset of this is so quick and I can't wait to be with Jesus where there's no more suffering, but right now he's given me some beautiful things and I want to savor that. So I just, I feel like every few months, I feel like I have to focus on something different, Mm. but right now it's the trust and the eternal perspective. I love that. That's good. Okay. So what were some of the moments for you when maybe the dam broke and you started to feel God's love again, or you felt like, um, you know, you, you, experience them again, maybe in the last, in any of these situations, but 
so I had my, my, I had my miscarriage and we lost a baby through miscarriage right before I found out I had cancer. And so that was really hard to process because I didn't really get to process the miscarriage because I had cancer and it was yeah. like, and then we moved across the country. And so it was just, there was so many things happening in a row that it wasn't until later on, but because of surgery and treatment and all the things it, it was advised. It wasn't like, don't have any more kids, but it was like, your body's gone through a lot. And so, you know, there it is. You have three healthy boys. So I just had this, I remember driving in the car and I was just overwhelmed with this, like, baby girl, baby girl in my arms. And I didn't know if that was from the Lord or if that was from me, because that's something that I wanted. And so I really wrestled with that because I was like, I'm not supposed to like, we have three boys. I have everything I need. I'm, you know, healing from cancer. This is so wonderful. Like we're on the upscale of things. And but I had this like deep seated, like, oh, I, I just really, really desired that. And so it was so interesting because it was a couple months later, I found out I was pregnant. And then a couple months later, we found out it was a baby girl. And a couple months later, like it was just, wow. and when she came out, she was like the biggest, chunkiest, healthiest baby <laughs> I've ever had. And just like the joy of my life because she's just sweet and feisty and everything. And it's like, did God have to do that? No, but it's because of his great and deep love for me. And I, it, I mean, it makes me cry every time just because it, I think we don't realize like how personal God is and yeah. how I, I understand not getting what you want. I understand going through trauma and pain and cancer and oh, really awful things. I get that, but there's something about the restoration, the redemption, the healing, like God wooing us back to himself because he is that good and he loves us that much. And I think that was just like, oh, just such a download of grace and joy and happiness and love that I felt from the Lord. And oh my gosh, that was and I know that doesn't always happen. You yeah. know, I know that we pray for things that we never see come to fruition and we have deep seated, you know, desires that we don't see. So I also know that side of things too, but in this, in that situation, download of love right there. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like the Lord gave you a little bit of a vision of sorts, right? Of this is, this yeah. is what I'm going to do. And you had to just walk through and go, well, maybe, okay, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and it came, it came true. Um, that's amazing. Like that's really, that's really powerful. I love those I moments where we can't expect it. We can't ask for it. We can't do anything except for just receive yeah. and let it be. Yeah. And trust and just, and it's hard to know, like, is this my head? <laughs> you know? yeah. Is this what I want? Or is this literally what the Lord is going to do? Because you know, that sets you up for like a disappointment, but yeah. if you just keep in step with him and I think that it'll be revealed and I just yeah. love, I love how he speaks in like dreams and visions too. Yeah. i always, I always love that. <laughs> I don't buy the whole name it, claim it thing. Like, you know, we can, no. you can't manifest really, our future. Yeah. yeah. You can't really do that. <laughs> and so 
you, I think you did the right thing to hold it loosely, right? Surrender. So your vision, even your desire, the, the scripture say the Lord gives you the desires of your heart, right? So even that we have to acknowledge, accept and surrender and give back and say, okay, God, this yep. is what I want. I've got a few of those stories where like, um, we, we, when we bought our house, I had prayed years before that we would buy a house kind of around this one little park and that it would have lilacs in the back. Well, we moved in in November. Right. And so we didn't know what was in the yard and it was kind of a mess. Yeah. Anyway. We had, we had to do a lot of work back there. Um, but in the spring come about May, guess what's in the back there? Oh my goodness. Ro- a row of lilacs. It was amazing. And when I go do my walks, I walk right through that little park. I was like, this is kind of cool. Every single day. Like it's, a guy couldn't that. have, answered my prayer any better yeah. if I had tried, like I, if I had yep. cared and I just had to let it go. And I think that's true uh, of all of us. We, it, I do think our desire actually matters, not to the point of like the manifestation business, but I think right. it's there that I, I think we're a little more powerful than we think, but we have to give God, we have to still have to surrender as in his will. Yeah. I always picture myself like in a car and I'm always like, that's it. I'm driving like Jesus, you take the passenger seat. Like, here we go. You know? And my husband, you the other day was like, you know what? You're so bad. Your head's like out of the window in the back seat, and you're like dipping your head in the mud and you're like, oh my gosh. And, and Jesus <laughs> is like, just like lift your head up, you know, and you don't have to like be in the mud. And my husband's so He's so good to me because he doesn't let me like wallow too long. He lets me vent, but the wallowing, it's like, you got to get yourself a spouse or a friend that helps you do that and, and move on to actual freedom and truth instead of wallowing and like, Oh, woe is me. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, when we let Christ drive, it's like, man, I don't even want to sit in the, I don't even want to sit in the passenger seat. I just want to like get in the back and just like let him do his thing because man, when I get in the passenger seat, I'm totally a backseat driver (laughs) (laughs) and he doesn't need that. (laughs) Yeah. He knows what he's doing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, I love it. Okay. Well, Nicole, thanks for sharing some of your story. I really do appreciate that. I think this conversation we're having about suffering and how we handle it as, as Christians uh, is just much needed and, I hope that it has encouraged uh, some of you friends, Uh, whether you're the one suffering, somebody you know, feel free to pass this episode along. Um, Nicole, so then, so you're you're publishing this book. It's out, right? For? Yes, October 4th. Oh, perfect. Great. And uh, friends, you can get that wherever you get great books. You can also go to halfwaytherepodcast.com and find the links and as always uh well i guess also your website is nicolejacobsmeyer.com right yep perfect that's right uh nicole thank you again is there anything you want to leave us with i think if we all just go read psalm 126 5 that says those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy remember that the pain is not wasted that it's okay to cry and vent and get angry and question and dive into the word and all that, but there will be shouts of joy and it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow, but God is so good and he is so faithful that we can, we are equipped to keep going and we will have those shouts of joy. Mm, amen. He will wipe every tear away. That is a great promise. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you so much, Eric. <laughs>